0: hey everyone welcome to eclipse a Heroes podcast i'm keisha and i'm rachel and today we are talking about season one episode six better halves uh do we have any unfinished business from last week except for peter preparing to go on the journey of his lifetime after he got a special message Let's pick up
1: where we left off because the episode does. And it starts off with Peter delivering Hiro and Ando the message that Hiro gave him to deliver Hiro. Don't worry, it makes sense.
0: It does. (laughs) So,
1: hello, I'm Peter Petrillo. I have a message for you. And he tells them that future hero who speak English and he carried a sword told them to save the cheerleader, save the world. And Ando translates this for hero. And Ando's also like, um, so (laughs) where is this cheerleader? And Peter's like, well... (laughs) We don't know where she
0: is.
1: (laughs) That's a good question, you know? So after Peter ends up delivering this little message to them, they hang up and... Hero and Ando talk with each other for a, a minute, and Ando's like, He said you had a sword. And Hero was like, Oh, yeah, I had a sword. That's awesome. <laughs> and he was doing like lightsaber sword movements, like in the car. And they had a little discussion about like their hero's journey that they're about to embark on, and how, you know, he's trying to hype Ando up a little because he's like, You don't need powers to be a hero. We're in this together. And Ando's like, Why didn't future hero just come to us and tell us we had to say the true leader? And they go into a little about not wanting to make, like, a time rift and everything. Like, they're trying to cover their bases for, like, time travel a little bit, the show is. But they do play fast and loose with that a little in the future. Oh, very. So, they're like, all right, well, let's get going. Maybe we'll try to figure out as we go. So, they try to back their car out, the Nissan Versa. And they get blocked immediately by the high roller from the last episode that beat them up. Like, you're not done. You still owe me. (laughs) And, uh, I know you cheated me. You're still not done paying me back. So, again, I feel like... Ando, in order to get out of things, did end up giving him money. But he realizes that whatever game they're playing, people aren't detecting whatever. however he's winning. And Ando's like, no, Japanese people, very lucky. I'm not cheating. <laughs> So he brings them to a uh, private card game. It's like him and like two other guys and Ando. And so they're playing and Hero at least this time is realizing I ha- should change the cards after they're being dealt and not when they're in someone's hand. Yeah, he's making Ando win. Ando's being very lucky. One of the other card guys is not thrilled that this new guy is winning. And <laughs> and the high roller's is just like, no, it's cool. It's just, it's a friendly game. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas clearly at the end of it, Hyrule is going to be getting all the cash anyway. And Hero's kind of like goofing off behind Ando and. He knocks something over, so Andal leans down to pick something up and notices the cranky High Roller has a gun. So he freaks out. He's like, oh my god, they're gonna kill us. He jumps up and is like, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. And he's trying to drag Hero off with him. And Hero's like, I I don't have to go to the bathroom, what do you mean? (laughs) And the High Rollers are like, you both need to go to the bathroom together. And Andal's like, yes, this is how we roll. So they head off to the bathroom. (laughs) And they head off to the bathroom. Andal is freaking out. He's like, Hero, they have a gun. They're going to kill us. And Hero's like, relax, relax, relax. But as they're in there, they can hear the High Rollers out there be like, who invited her? And all hell breaks loose. You can hear things getting thrown around. You hear gunshots going off. Hero and Andor are just standing there and the bathroom door gets like kicked in There, you can see blood going down it. They're both freaking out and this whole thing makes Hero freeze up and he realizes I could have saved them. I didn't save them. And this gives us a sneak peek into how Hero is when he doesn't win or when he fails. And he gets very depressed about it. He gets very down and stuff, like what is the point i'm supposed to be a hero and instead i just hid in the bathroom i didn't save these guys i could have saved their lives even though arguably they're not the greatest group of guys yeah i don't really think there's a big loss there no but he he still is very upset about not saving the life that's not who he is he's supposed to be a hero yeah that's hero he saves lives it doesn't matter who they are yeah and this Will not be the last time he acts like this. No, it won't. And luckily for him, Ando tells him, Hero, when you get better at using your ability, you can come back and you can save them. You can have a do-over. And this little pep talk gets Hero back on track. And he's like, you're right. I can come get a do-over. I'll save them in the future. I'll just have to get better at what I'm doing. And that sort of leaves them off because they decide that they're going to head off on their journey to save the cheerleader, even though they don't know where she is. Do you have anything to say about Hiro and Ando?
0: So it's interesting that we do get to see that little glimpse of Hiro Dealing with his emotions and his guilt whenever something doesn't go his way, uh, because we do get to see that a lot in the future. I have a certain couple scenes in my mind right now that I'm not supposed to talk about because we're not there yet, <laughs> uh, which makes it sound like you told me not to. <laughs> and that's why I said it. Um, no, no, there's a couple scenes coming up that we're not we're not even close to being there, and he not only deals with not. Succeeding at something in a very emotional way. But he also has a hard time with the idea of bad people, among others, ever dying. That's that's something I will say in regards to Hero and his morals that we're going to see more of. Especially in season one, especially with who he gets to potentially stop and that journey and how that's going to represent a big, big growth for him as a character, but might make him lose some of his innocence along the way.
1: Yeah, I also wonder if his aversion to failure is also a little bit of a nod to Japanese culture. Probably is. And even though I don't think Ando has the same attitude about everything, so it's a little bit of his morals and it's a little bit of, I think, Japanese culture as to why Hiro gets so down on himself.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we only got to see a a glimpse of them so far in their professional space, and even though Hero was really like bored and downtrodden, I bet you anything he still did his work and got in on time and still was responsible. And meanwhile, Ando's literally looking at porn at work. He doesn't
1: care. <laughs> exactly right. He probably Hero probably had it all done and was just like you know
0: straight chilling trying to stop time exactly right <laughs> we also mentioned before we started recording this episode guys he's in vegas too long okay because the first season is a 23 episode season and that was all the rage to especially back then to have to have full seasons of things on network television regardless of how the story shakes out and so so much of this stuff is them just keeping people apart through shenanigans just so they can stretch it to that many episodes
1: network tv and tv as a whole is better about that now i also feel like they will take it to an extreme as we've seen with game of thrones where they do too little episodes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that causes a problem. So there's like, it's like, a, there's a happy medium to be achieved. Like 10, 11 episodes is like a nice, good pace. Plus,
0: like. you got to be willing to let it have different episode counts per season if that's how it goes. Yes. Like, if you talk about Game of Thrones, I'll talk about like American Horror Story used to be longer. And I think they finally realized that it doesn't really work to stretch it to 13. They got to do like 9,
1: 10. It does help cut some of the fodder out of that. Except, you're not going to hear me bitch about Game of Thrones because I dodged the Game of Thrones bullet because I stopped watching season three for like a specific. Reason, but like, not anything to do with the show. I do think that that's a good show to like compare to Heroes. Like, I think that and like um, Sherlock are both shows that were like, foo, flash in the pans, and then um, either long hiatus or other reasons, their like endings and their like later seasons kind of like suck.
0: It's kind of vindicating too because nobody could touch Sherlock at first and nobody could touch game of thrones at first yes and then that they ended the way they did and it's like yeah see it's not that easy
1: (laughs) i saw someone on tumblr say like oh my god like game of thrones was everywhere on here and then after the finale it's just like you didn't hear a peep anywhere
0: oh let me tell you working at a bookstore they got in so many fucking copies of the books before the finale aired Mm -hmm. thinking everyone's gonna want to buy these of course let me tell you what happened They're sitting in our back stock.
1: I bet you got a lot of stuff to clearance out.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh boy. Howdy. Yep. Uh, We have the fucking uh, Game of Thrones Monopoly and it plays the entire theme. And every time somebody pushes the button, I want to kill them. (laughs) It's so long and it's so annoying.
1: And to be fair, I'm sure that there are still like us. Uh, people who are still fans of the show.
0: Oh, I work with one of them. One of my coworkers is straight up just like, they did nothing wrong, that Danny stuff made sense. Like, yeah.
1: Like I said, I don't feel like I, I am in a place to judge because I wouldn't want someone coming at Heroes that hadn't watched the full thing.
0: Yeah, and that's what most people do. They come at it and they've only seen one season. So, no thank you.
1: So as Hero and Ando are about to leave Vegas, we're not ready to leave Vegas yet because we have Nikki and DL to talk about. And why don't you tell us how Nikki's doing, Keisha?
0: So first of all, not only is the name of the episode a real big hint that we're going to be getting a lot of Nikki- presence in this. Allie Larder also gets to read the previously on bit, and I believe is the first person that is not Mohinder or, you know, Rama Ramamurthy to do so. So that's a really good indicator of what's to come and how Nikki heavy this episode is going to be. When we drop back in, there is the police presence at the house because they're waiting for DL to maybe show up, and guess what? He does. So we haven't seen DL except for that little brief moment last week to actually see like oh hey he's Leonard Roberts we get to see him now as a character being introduced properly and the whole time that we saw him first or not saw him but heard about him he has always been painted as like he's a criminal he's a thug he's scary it's a good thing that he's not there with his family and it's fun how the writing kind of plays with that at first uh, the, the way that Leonard does his line readings in particular, it's like, oh, he's, he's a bad dude. Oh no, DL's home. <laughs> but then it becomes really quickly apparent that no, this is a really good dude. He is a great father. He's a good husband. He actually has been screwed over by somebody because we learn that he didn't do the job. He stepped out and someone else stepped in. And that's when it all went to chaos. So he's back because he wants to find this person. He wants to try to get the money and he wants to leave with his family because he still he did this for his family. He was a construction worker. He made like 30k a year, I guess. Which, okay, that's not bad. Um, Cost of living in Vegas must be ridiculous. I imagine it is because it's Vegas. Because I I, I heard that salary and I was like, and? That's not not bad, dude. But no, uh, it's probably just like cost of living and all that. Plus, you know, you can tell that he doesn't really want to raise Micah in this environment. He wants to give him a better life. And he wants to give Nikki a better life too. And that's really admirable. He is someone who got involved in something like a heist because he wanted to try to provide for his family in a way that seemed like a quick, rich, you know, thing at the time. And it just went to shit, like most heists do. So he's back. He wants to try to fix this. He's risking a lot to do this, even though, like they've said before, no jail can keep him. And we're gonna find out why that is in a minute. He's, cert- he's certainly still risking a lot by even just showing up and coming back for them. So yeah, Deal's a good dude. I really liked that. I liked how they built him up over the first, what, five episodes? Like, oh, DL's this, this bad guy. He's, he's dangerous. No, he is a good dude who got screwed by life and he is trying to get his. He's trying to get a piece of something better for his family. And that's admirable. Because they could have. They could have just been like, yep, DL's a bad dude and he's an asshole. And it's a good thing that he's not there with Micah or Nikki. But I like the conflict it creates because it creates a lot of conflict for Nikki in particular because she is nervous about him being back. This whole thing is just, you know, really a dark situation and she's also got her own stuff that she's dealing with because we get to meet Jessica more properly. In this uh, episode, we've seen her before. We've seen her, you know, threaten to put a spike heel through a thug's head. We've seen her get done what needed to be done with Nathan in the hotel room. But now we actually get to speak with her. Uh, I don't believe they've given her a name yet, but she's Jessica. We said this last episode, that's who she is. You're going to learn why. You're going to learn where that name comes from. It has a reason. But just for the sake of clarifying and making this easier to talk about, Nikki and Jessica. So there's this really great scene where Allie Larder plays off of a mirror and speaks to her own reflection. And she gets to speak with Jessica. And it turns out, you bet somebody stepped in and did the heist. It was Jessica. She did it. She came in. She killed the crew. She took the money. So... Immediately you have yet more conflict between Nikki and DL because like Jessica says, honey, it's cool that you like him still or whatever. But when he finds out and he's going to find out that it was you, it's not going to be all cupcakes and roses. He's going to probably kill you. He's probably going to kill us. So we need to take Micah. We need to get the money and we need to go. As Rachel mentioned in her bit, when the poker game is absolutely annihilated by a violent situation, what we didn't see on the other side of the door is that it was Jessica doing it. Nikki went to bed with DL, lost time, and it turns out that Jessica in the middle of the night went to that game. And I can't speak enough about how brutal Jessica is. She doesn't just stop someone. She absolutely... Absolutely obliterates them. She has such insane strength. We've yet to really see a lot of it in action. She, yeah, she flipped the guy down and did the, you know, spike heel. And anyone who even knows like a little bit of decent self defense could probably do that. But what we see her do, the aftermath of what we see her do, is insane. There are severed heads in this scene. They get a lot of fun out of really painting an incredibly bloody and brutal picture. And yeah, so she's dangerous. She is also in control for the most part. She really knows when to step in and take the wheel. And so you feel sorry for Nikki because she just wants to have stability and safety and security. And with this whole situation, it is absolutely impossible. And we get the, I guess, conclusion to that uh, suggestion because after she has her conversation with Jessica and Jessica's like, hey, we need to take Micah and we need to go. And here's where I hid the money that I took. She goes to get it and DL finds her with it. And it immediately snaps into place that she was somehow involved. And they get into a fight and they don't just get into a fight. They get into a really, really rough fight. I had kind of forgotten how rough it was because mm-hmm. I remember Jessica throwing him against the wall. I remember that, but. I didn't remember how, how much he didn't hold back after that. So they really get into it and he's got her and he phases his hand through her chest because that's what he can do. DL Hawkins can phase through objects. That's why no jail can hold him because he can just walk right out. Like he said, handcuffs can't hold him. He can just phase right through them. That's a really good power to have. He's Kitty Pride. (laughs) <laughs> so they get into a really bad fight and the most traumatic thing about it and I'd forgotten how much this was a thing too is Micah sees it. Micah walks in on his dad phasing his fist through his mom's chest after a very clear incident has occurred like they've fought there's there's stuff broken in the room and that's what he sees. And then DL stops, he pulls his arm back and he drops her on the floor and he takes Micah, who's like screaming, away from the scene. And it's a lot. (laughs) That is, uh, so the thing that's interesting is that the way that they weave together DL's and Nikki's powers and personal life is so enmeshed. And that's what makes it work when he shows up again and they get into it. It's what makes it work so much better than like, Parkman and Janice because that's two separate. Um, yes, Matt does use his power to like read her mind and try to fix things without really fixing things but They still are so separate from a lot of what the powers can lead to because only one of them has them. The interesting thing about Nikki and DL is they both have abilities and that is immediately going to complicate matters and it does. And so it's interesting to see that quickly go violently wrong so fast because that was so much of Nikki's story. So now we get to see her story expand and see what's going to happen outside of the whole thing with, you know, Dale's crew and all that. And now we get it. You know, he, Dale knows and the family is in in tatters. And now we have to see what's going to happen next. If the family can come back together, if they can rise above this. Or if they're going to continue to have issues because Jessica is not a hero. She's an anti-hero, if anything. I wouldn't really say a villain, perhaps, but she's definitely a very dark force that is not going to make any of this easy.
1: No, the other thing I want to touch on with Nikki and D.L. is how important uh, Micah is in this episode with them. Because um, Micah and D.L. were having a little bonding moment, like, celebrating, you know, him being back. And he sees Micah's comic, and he alludes to Micah, like, you know, I have a secret. And the whole episode, he doesn't suspect that Nikki was the one who did the job. Until he's talking to Micah. And Micah says, Mom has a secret, too. And then after that, he goes to Nikki and sees the briefcase. And then hell breaks loose. So, yeah, I just found that interesting that, like, Micah was kind of the... If it wasn't for Micah being like, Mom has a secret, too, <laughs> um, <laughs> then uh, DL might have never caught on to it until they were gone and Nikki would have had a head start.
0: Yeah, he didn't even suspect at all. Because, again, he's a good dude. He trusts her.
1: He was like, yeah, you got up in the middle of the night, you know, and we're going to go see these guys who one of them apparently knows who's the one that stepped in to do the job. And then he's dead. (laughs) super dead (laughs) and even Nikki was like i saw this like this is what was in the garage i've seen this happen before and even then he's all like you're being set up someone's messing with your head like they messed with me
0: so he gets a lot of points for not just whipping around on her until he until he absolutely knew something was wrong because that's pretty cliche isn't it him to come back and things to be fine for a minute but then immediately he, he would just suspect her because he just would
1: Even with how the fight ends, because Mm. Jessica had quite the upper hand there (laughs) until he put his hand through her chest. And even that can be seen as a like, I'm just going (laughs) to make you go to sleep, sweetie.
0: Oh, exactly. He could have stopped her for good, but that's not who he is. And that's not what needs to happen. That's a fun family conflict on on heroes. (laughs) Uh, speaking of complicated families, why don't we go over to Texas and see what's going on with Claire and the Bennets?
1: Yeah, so over in Texas, uh, we have a nice little mother-daughter bonding moment where Claire is making cupcakes for a bake sale with Sandra, and, uh, we get to see the Pomeranian breeder side of Sandra come out with Mr. Muggles, and she's complaining because another breeder wants to breed a poodle with Mr. Muggles, and she is just not having it. She's like, I do not think so. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I love Sandra I love her so much yeah
1: we just we love Sandra whenever she is on the scene so this was a great episode for that we get a lot of good Sandra in this episode so in Claire's helping her make the cupcakes and she's just pulling the, the freaking hot muffin tin out of the oven <laughs> and it's like well, just use a hot pad <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that hurt you? Why are you being a masochist right now, Claire? Jeez, alright? Chill. She loves to just be a masochist, like, right outside her mother's, like, viewpoint. Like, putting her hand in the freaking garbage disposal. Well,
0: <laughs> it's it's kind of, like, a weird subconscious thing, I wonder. If she's just, like... It'd be cool if my mom would notice. Like, I don't, I don't want them to find out, but I kind of do want people to find out.
1: That is very true. Cause she's so alone in it, other than Zach. I feel like she would rather Sander find out than her father. Hundred percent. Even though it's clear that she has a bond with her father as well, I think that she realizes her mom would probably be cooler about the whole thing than he would be. I think so. I really do. Which that's just the way it is with parents. You know which one is going to be the cooler one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so HRG rolls in and um, (laughs) he's like, I just got off the phone with your uh, biological parents and they want to have a meeting. But, you know, if it's too fast for you, Claire, I can tell them no. But Claire is so excited. She had asked for this before and um, HRG plays it off like, oh, they got a hold of me. I didn't go looking for them. They said they want a meeting. You know, we don't have to do this right now. But Claire's like, I'm ready. This is a grown up thing. I want to meet where I came from. I want answers. I want to see if they can do what I can do. So we see Claire a little bit later on walking down the street with Zach and telling him about how her bio parents are going to come over. And he's like, man, you know what? I hope they can't do anything because I like that you can because it makes you special. And Claire's like, are you flirting with me, Zach? And he's like, no, no, no. Trust me. You're not my type. I'm not flirting with you. So he leaves her be and the bio parents come on over and it's a wonderfully awkward thing where they're all sitting on the couches and the mother's like, oh, you, you have my nose and like your, his eyes. And Claire kind of under her breath mutters, like, I wonder what else of yours I have. (laughs) HRG and Sandra kind of take that as their cue to exit. They're like, we'll go let you guys have your little private talk. So they leave the room and unbeknownst to Claire and them, they're like in the next room over conveniently (laughs) watching them. And Sandra's like, that was so awkward. I have lip sweat, (laughs) (laughs) which I loved again. We love Sandra.
0: We love Sandra.
1: HRG and Sandra are kind of talking a little bit about um, how awkward it is when he gets a call and he's like, oh, it's work, and excuses himself while Sandra continues to eavesdrop. So Claire and her bio parents, she's like, is there anything I should know about, like medical stuff? And they look at each other and she's like, oh, I have diabetes. And her father's like, yeah, there's like a history of cancer and heart disease on my side of the family. And it's just like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not what I was looking for, but, you know, wonderful.
0: I love her acting in the scene. She's just like, cool.
1: Yeah, cool, <laughs> it's not.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty lame. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> and eventually they leave, and uh, Claire's in the kitchen eating a cupcake, talking to Sandra. And she's like, it was cool to meet the bio parents. And Sandra was like, oh, my God, Claire, that's so cold and impersonal and absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> And they have a, l- a little bit of a talk where she's like, you know, I was kind of nervous with you meeting them because like, you know, but Claire reassures like, you're my mom. They're the bio parents. You'll always be, you'll always be my mother no matter what. Which is sweet. It's very sweet. And then they <laughs> proceed to throw the cupcakes away because they're too good, which, okay. I thought they were for a, sp- <laughs> I thought they were for a bake sale. Why Do you they throw really throw them away? Do yes. so I not remember that? Claire's like, take these away. <laughs> These are too good. And Sandra immediately picks up the whole stand, goes to the garbage, opens it, dumps them in.
0: What the hell?
1: I know, right? <laughs> I'm sure HRG would have loved to eat some cupcakes.
0: <laughs> Nobody asked.
1: Maybe they baked too much and they kept some for themselves, but st- like they threw away like a dozen cupcakes. Oh, I was like, shut up.
0: i must have (laughs) i must have been like looking at the screen and writing my notes because i don't remember her throwing them away that's traumatic
1: i remember it from way back when but yeah like they continue their conversation and she just sandra just takes them and throws them away as they're talking but they're having a nice conversation during so that's also probably why you didn't notice
0: (laughs) the nerve
1: (laughs) um because yeah because i think while she's throwing the cupcakes away uh sandra's like well, you know, when you were a baby, we were worried because there was something wrong with you. You had some kind of condition. Like, I don't remember. I don't know all the medical details about it. But you, you had like a cough. Like, don't be, you know, don't get like be a hypochondriac like your brother right now.
0: <laughs> Shut up, Lyle.
1: She's like, I don't need two hypochondriacs in my life, Please. And um, Claire kind of gets excited to hear this Even though Sandra doesn't know a whole lot about it She's like "There, there was something wrong with you When you were a baby but I don't understand The full details behind it But while they're in the kitchen HRG is the one walking the parents out And when they're out outside and out of earshot and out of sight of his wife and his daughter the man and the woman both like relax a little and are like if there's anything else you need let us know Uh, we were happy to do this for you today which makes it very clear that these two are in fact not her real parents that there's two people doing a favor for HRG so that Claire will quit asking questions
0: the mystery continues who are Claire's parents yes who are they Dang. Who are they? I feel like, I feel like we might
1: know them then. At maybe. least one of them. Yeah. You know, maybe. there's, there's a lot of parallels between Claire and a certain someone right now.
0: Yeah, there sure is. <laughs> 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 I, I love so much that we'll just spoil things from like two years down the road, but then we'll be like, hmm, I don't know who Claire's parents
1: are. Sure. We'll, we'll go into detail about arthur petrelli but like yeah let's not talk about yeah right. <laughs> about claire's parents we did spoil it a little bit if you listen to episode two in our nikki rant we talked about claire's parents
0: oh well you know but we
1: won't bring that up here fine. because we put a big spoiler warning on that we sure
0: did so yeah
1: but that will that's be fine. it is not that far down the pipe that we find out who her parents actually are
0: Mm -mm, that's really close because it has to be because we got so many other fish to fry coming up
1: yes it's not a mystery for very long not a mystery Mm -hmm. for very long this isn't one where we don't find out until season three (laughs) so while we know where Claire is and that she's most likely the cheerleader. <laughs> Our heroes in New York, as they told Ando and Hero, have no idea where this cheerleader is. Isn't that right, Keisha?
0: That is right. So Peter doesn't show up in this episode very much. He's in it just a little bit, which is a change. He, after he delivers the message, he and Isaac go about looking at the paintings again. And Peter realizes, okay, so we don't know where this cheerleader is, but we're going to have to figure it out. that's the next step and in doing so he finishes arranging the comic panel style paintings which he makes sure again to tell us all how comic books work (laughs) i'm pretty sure we all know but in doing so he's like hey there's a spot missing is there anything else here that would go with this series isaac's like okay so i painted something a while ago i don't have it it's in the paintings that simone has So Simone is still a thing for the both of them in this because they have to get the painting from her. Peter is just, he's undeterred. He's like, cool, gonna go do that. And it's like, Peter, (laughs) do do you not take a minute and step back and look at the context of other people's lives? Because Simone is Isaac's ex. They did not have a good relationship. It did not end well. And you had a one-night stand with her and then profess love to her, which, all right, that was a choice. But that's very on point for you. It's very on brand. <laughs> and you go there, and you're like, cool, I'm just going to go get the painting back. Mm, I feel like it's going to be a little more emotional and complicated than that for everybody involved. It's really awkward that you just are charging ahead. But sure. So Simone has the painting, and it's really sadly the only way she can remain relevant to any of this. is is they have to go get the painting back so she's going to show up again it's a shame that that's pretty much all she gets to provide for this but that's how it is so that's what ends with them and then meanwhile Mohinder gets back to his apartment and he's just done with everything like he has been for like three episodes at least now He's so done. He's he's done, though. He's done. He's leaving. He's going to go back to India. He He's he's just wiping his hands of all of this. And Eden's there in his apartment, and she's like, oh, the flying patrolli didn't fly, huh? And like, nope, he sure did not. And he was going on about time being stopped. We were on the train, and I don't even know if Isaac Mendez is real, frankly. This is all shenanigans, and I'm over it. So he's like, I'm going back to India. Fuck it. Flipping the game board, table, I'm done. And Eden, while he's doing this, is asking a lot of questions about the whole situation. It comes off like she's just curious and involved, but as we learn in a minute, it was for a different reason. Because she's asking these really specific things that are, like, leading questions to Mohinder. And she's like, well, okay, I don't really think you're gone forever. I think you're just upset and frustrated, and I think you're going to be back, so I'm not going to say goodbye. And he actually has a moment... Where, and I had misremembered this, I thought she kissed him. No, he kisses her. She was just flirty enough to keep him in there and keep him interested. And so he kisses her goodbye is probably how he views it. It's not how she views it. And then he leaves, he walks out of the room. And so she makes a phone call. And Eden's phone call is to Mr. Bennett. Surprise! She's a company girl. Le gasp. She has been this whole time. Yeah, le gasp. (laughs) Uh, I remember being kind of shocked about it at the time, because remember, if you recall in the previous episodes, I was like, I just thought that, 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 that I didn't even think that she was a plant or anything.
1: 100%. Because that's,
0: that's how silly I am. So she's a company girl. She calls Bennett and gives him a status update on all the things they've got going on that we've seen. Uh, She tells him about her and Mohinder, and then he's leaving, and he's like, um, well, stop him. And she's like, I'm trying, and he's like, mm, I think we both know you can try harder than that, which has a lot of really gross connotations to it when you learn more about the company, but we'll get there. So, <laughs> and their relationship with women. Uh, so she continues to update him. She mentions the thing about, he asked about Peter Petrelli, and in doing so, he's holding the glasses that Nathan broke, which is a nice little moment when he kicked him in the face (laughs) I can't get over that I never could he's holding the glasses like so what about Peter Petrelli and she's like well nothing's really happening there uh, except for he might have had an encounter with someone who could potentially stop time and Bennett just goes really that's cool I love his (laughs) line reading so much I love Jack Coleman's line reading so much like oh stops time that's new that's rare fun So he has like a a little moment there. And then she goes, yeah. And then the precog, the painter, you know, he's just painting this thing about this cheerleader and a bunch of paintings being in danger and everything stops for Bennett. He even, I watched this again just before we did this. He even, when he's holding the glasses, his hand shakes a little bit. Mm. And he gets quiet. And so he's like, what? Eden's like, yeah, he's painting a bunch of cheerleader paintings. Someone's in danger. What do you want me to do with this precog? What should I do? And Bennett immediately goes, Bring him in. It's time to bring him in. So they got the phone and then later on, she just shows up at Isaac's loft, which isn't that ridiculous because they establish it very early on. His address is just in the comic. <laughs> Anybody can just find him. He's got the opposite of a secret identity. <laughs> he's He's got a, a flashing billboard for good and bad people to just show up and hope he's there. And he often is. And so he's there and she's like, hey, I'm a big fan of your work. Wink. And she just strolls on in. And I think we all know he's probably going to end up like Parkman strapped down a few episodes back. But before this happens, Isaac is with a couple of the paintings that we saw early in the uh, episode when Mohinder was doing his uh, monologue. I I I tried to call it the Mohinder log, but I used to always call it that. and I still do. (laughs) And the fun thing about the Mohinder log this episode is the exact same one is used in the beginning and the end. He just has his tone differentiate just a little bit. And it has like all this added meaning because of what we've seen. And he has this really great line that I absolutely love where he talks about how evolution is an imperfect and often violent process. And that works with so many characters. Obviously, it works with the whole thing going on with Nikki and Jessica. But it's going to become incredibly relevant towards a character a couple episodes down the line and what their presence is going to do to everybody on the show and so we see isaac with the paintings that we hadn't seen before and we see a woman in front of a bunch of money and some blood on her face it's clearly an ally larder character and you know it's not a hard leap to say oh it was nikki or jessica and then he wipes away some of the paint that's on her shoulder. And yeah, she's got the Helix tattoo. It's Jessica. Uh, but there's also another painting next to that one, which is somebody standing in a body of water with what could be a jar or an urn. So a little, little something there, a little tease for what's to come for a character. And yeah, so basically Eden shows up. She's going to take him in. That's how Isaac's story ends. The cliffhanger is... Nikki on the floor, recovering from what DL did, but it's not a it's not an incredibly strong cliffhanger in terms of like oh mystery or whatever. You're just like oh is she gonna survive? Yeah, she'll probably be fine. Overall, the episode you get a lot of cool revelations like Eden. I, I liked I liked that. I've always I've always liked that being a thing. Uh, you get a lot of the good family dynamic stuff with you know the Bennetts and the Hawkins. And the little Hiro-Diando and stuff is cool because, like we said before, hero gets to really kind of learn something about himself in terms of how he handles failure. And right now it's not well. And also if he's willing to not do half measures later on. Because somehow this guy is going to become the guy with the sword, the goatee, and the badassery. And this is him at the start of that. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him to make him become that but yeah, did you have any other notes from the episode or anything about the end there with Eden and Isaac and Mohinder?
1: I will mention how we both kind of thought that this episode was going to be more boring than it ended up being. <laughs> We're such haters. Yeah. <laughs> it's I not- really did. Yeah, it's not one that we would go back and rewatch very often due to lack of a- mm. certain characters or whatever. Yeah. And... I am enjoying how I forget that Nikki was, in the beginning, very connected to more people than I remembered her being connected to.
0: Far more than some.
1: Oh, yes. Like, right now, Parkman is the island. <laughs> he's the island if, right now.
0: If he's not working with the FBI, he's a he's an island of domestic annoyance, <laughs> and I, I, I can't stand it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Luckily, there was no Parkman in this episode. <laughs>
0: And if if there was, cool, he needs to be working with Audrey because that's the best stuff with him.
1: We will be getting that in the next episode. Sure will. We get a couple characters introduced in the next episode.
0: Really important ones.
1: Yes. So that'll be exciting. But yeah, because we talked right before we started recording about how, yeah, we were expecting this to be more boring than it was, but I was into it. I was actually more into this episode than I was the previous one. Yeah, same. Yep. I was like, I'm in a good mood after finishing watching this one. Everything was great. Even without Nathan. <laughs> Don't fucking expose me. <laughs>
0: To be fair, expose, there was, like, expose. HRG
1: in this one, too. But, like, there was good stuff in this episode. I liked a lot of it. It was, uh, oh, on yeah. paper, it reads more boring than it is.
0: Well, that was our episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Eclipse Heroes Podcast. We are on several different social media avenues now. Why don't you tell us all about how the people can get a hold of us, Rachel, and share their experiences? Hell, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Eclipsed Podcast. You can also send us an email, which is eclipsepodcast at gmail.com. We also just started a Discord server last week. Uh, The link is on Twitter, and I'm going to attempt to put it in the show notes if I remember. So you can come on in, tell us why you watched Heroes, come share some Heroes memes, uh, talk to other fans on there. There are a couple people in there right now, not just me and Keisha in there right now. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to the people.
1: Yeah, I was, I was actually surprised how many people when I first posted the link came in.
0: Me too, but welcome. Yes,
1: welcome. Come join the conversation. We have a Tumblr which has like we're one gonna be building
0: it. more of a Tumblr presence. Stay tuned to that.
1: Yeah, we're gonna we'll, we'll post a lot more of the like GIF sets and photo sets on Tumblr. Reblog mm-hmm. those.
0: You'll see us in the tags. You won't be able to not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye. Next time on Eclipsed, a father and son road trip, Claire's reminded that, ugh, little brothers are the worst. And you are cordially invited to a Petrelli family brunch. Tune in. Save the cheerleader. Save the world.
1: Uh, no, I always complaining about a couple of nerds who not stop talking about Battlestar Galactica.